Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. What, it, what would it really be like? What would it really be like to live a worry-free life? What would it really be like to live a worry-free life? Well, Pastor, you know, that's just not possible. In the world that we live in, it's just not possible. I've tried to not worry, but I just end up worrying. What, what would it be like to live a worry-free life? Worry means, of course, to give way to anxiety, um, unease. It's to set your mind on the troubles and the difficulties that are all around you. It comes from an old English word, worgen, which actually means to strangle or seize by the throat. Interesting, because it kind of gives us a picture of what worry will do. It'll strangle you. It'll get a grasp on you. And I suppose we can name more, but there's three main categories where people worry. Their health, their finances, and their family. Of course, tied in with all that is the future. Always interesting when I find these statistics. I don't know, I don't know the groups. I, some of them, of course, have these researches that are done, and they give you the source of that research. But it's interesting when you find that, and you say, well, I see the source of that, but how in the world did they come up with these numbers? This is one of them. Now, research has shown that on the average, each week, people spend 14 and a half hours worrying. Now, for some of you, that wouldn't be enough. I understand. But on the average, 14 and a half hours. That's 744 hours each year. That's 45,243 hours in the average lifetime. That's 45,243 hours in an average lifetime. Imagine. That's 5.2 years of life, your life, that's been captured by worry. I don't know how in the world they come up with that down to the hour. But I do think there's truth in the fact that people's lives get consumed with this thing of anxiety and worry. And it does eat away at their life. It costs them. Now, worry displaces God in your life. Essentially, worry is a lack of trust. Bottom line, as much as we'd like to, to kind of sugarcoat it, that's basically what it boils down to. It distracts you from things that really matter in your life. We're told that, you know, some people just take it lightly. Well, everybody worries, no big deal, I can't overcome it. But according to the scripture, worry is quite serious. Being called and being anxious is very serious because it's contrary to what the word teaches. It shows our lack of, of real trust in God's uh, ability and in his power. It's sin. Now, worry will eat at you. It'll destroy you. So we should take it seriously. Recapping over the last couple of weeks, first of all, we talked about four big reasons not to worry. And that was really a lot of fun because we found out there's a lot of reasons that we worry where there's no need to. There are reasons not to worry. And along with that, we looked at four keys to overcoming worry. That's important. Then last time, we looked at the fact of our provider. We have a provider. God is our provider, Jehovah Jireh. And we looked at that powerful story of Abraham and Isaac there and how God is our provision. Now, we can tell that we're moved from a genuine concern 
to worry, that we're moved to being loaded down with cares when certain things happen. First of all, when it keeps us up at night, tossing and turning, or stomach churning. When it's the first thing, one of the first things that comes to mind when you get up in the morning, when you find yourself thinking about it continually, rehearsing it in your mind, and then when you find yourself bringing it up in your conversations, those are all clues that, you are being, that you've been bound by worry and anxiety. I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And there's one particular verse there that we're going to focus on today for a few minutes. But as I, I looked at that, I, I really believe it's important for us to go all the way back to the first verse there of chapter 5, 1 Peter. And you'll notice when, I, when we begin reading together, you'll notice the primary uh, people, the ones that this, this scripture is, uh, is focused upon or is, is speaking to here from Peter. It says, and now a word to you, this New Living Translation, and now a word to you who are elders in the church. Now, what do we mean by elders, particularly in that day? Elders were pastors. They were leaders. You wouldn't find church buildings located on the corner of the street. Uh, you wouldn't find any church signs anywhere. People would gather, believers there in the Jewish community would gather on the Sabbath because they had such close Jewish ties and what a tremendous witness that Jesus is a true Messiah. But they also gathered on the first day of the week, Sunday, uh, celebrating the resurrection of Christ as believers, followers of Christ. And, and they, most of the time, they met in some public places from time to time, but they met in homes in smaller groups. That was church. And it seems that there was a network in towns, villages and towns and cities, there was a network to where there was some communication. We didn't have Facebook or email or anything, but they had communication uh, all around the city. There would be someone that gave oversight to all the churches, and then there would be elders or pastors that looked after those individual groups of people, shepherding them, if you will. And that was the plan. That was the plan. Actually still is the best plan. It's just that we made church an organized religion, and we departed from the principles of that. But you would have certain individuals that were to be given oversight. They were called elders. They shepherd them. And, this, and when we get to the verse that we're focusing on today, I want you to remember that, that, this, is, that this is speaking to leaders. We're going to see that just because you're a leader and just because you may be in the ministry or whatever, uh, you may still have some problems you're having, you, may, you, you can't deal with. You know, there's some things we think, well, this is what believers ought to do. And Peter's have saying, look, you're elders, you're pastors, and I need to, I need to share with you, this is, a, this is a problem area. This is something you need to deal with. And certainly they would pass that on to their congregation, to the people that they uh, gave oversight to. So, he says, a word to you who are elders, pastors in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness, an eyewitness to the sufferings of Christ. He was there. And I too will share in his glory when he's revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, verse 2, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, oversee it, not grudgingly, not for what you can get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. Keep their motives pure and right, their attitude right. 
Verse 3. Don't lord it over the people assigned or entrusted to your care. But instead, lead them by your own example. The Amplified Bible says, do not be arrogant or overbearing, but be examples of Christian living in the flock. Be a pattern of integrity for your congregation. And when the great shepherd Christ appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. The Bible says, a conqueror's crown, unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger, now by younger, normally when we think of younger, we usually go to the age of a person, don't we? You're younger. But how many of you know that you can have, you can have someone that's, that's quite mature in years and old that's not mature? So the number of years in your life is not necessarily a measurement or indicator of your maturity. And so he says here, in the same way, you who are younger, of lesser rank and experience, must accept the authority of elders. Seek their counsel, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't want to be opposed. Certainly don't be opposed by God. But he gives grace to the humble. I need more grace. Gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right or appropriate time, he will lift you up in honor. Now here's the focus verse, verse seven. Give all your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. New King James Version. We're most, I think most of us are very familiar with. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Amplified Bible. Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him for he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Yes and amen. That's good. Sometimes when people are loaded down with cares, they try to escape. They'll try to escape it through drugs or alcohol. They'll try to escape it by doing something, get so busy and get it off, get, get what they're really concerned with off of their minds. Some people try to escape by blaming someone else and rebelling against authority. Today in our world, and unfortunately even the church, we see somewhat of an epidemic of stress and anxiety. And brothers and sisters, it just should not be. It just shouldn't be. We, we understand that we might be able to manage some of these things for a while. And some of you, some of you might learn, have learned to do that quite well. To manage all those things that we call, that some people refer to as worries or cares in your life. But eventually, eventually, if you continue to try to do that on your own, it will take its toll. It absolutely will take its toll on you. So I want to let's look at a couple things from the scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, where he says, casting all your care upon the Lord. It's kind of a play on words here, casting all your care upon the Lord, knowing that he cares for you. It's interesting. Let's look at the word casting. The Greek word epirito and tells us, uh, it's, it's, it's actually a compound word. First of all, epa means upon or to upon or to place something on top of something else, to be on top of something. The ripto part 
means to hurl or to throw violently with sometimes what seems to be great rage. The only other time in the scripture where that word is used, this is rather interesting, is in Luke chapter 19, verse 35, when it's talking about the, when the, Jesus is getting ready to enter Jerusalem there on what we call Palm Sunday, the entrance to the city. He's gathered. They are preparing for him to enter the city. And it says they brought him to Jesus. They brought the donkey to Jesus and they cast, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus on the colt. This conveys the idea of flinging something on something else and for it to carry the load. And so it gives us a picture when he says, cast your care on the Lord. It's showing, look, you need to fling, you need to throw, you need to shift the weight of this over on the Lord. It's a beautiful picture. Take your cares, your worries, throw them over on the shoulders of the Lord. You can do that, cast them because the, whatever it is, cast those cares, and cares used twice in that verse, but it's not the same word. The first time was says cast your cares, and the Greek literally means anxiety, difficulty, hardship, trouble, problems. Cast those on the Lord for he cares. The second word care that you find in the scripture comes from the Greek word mela, which means to be interested. They're completely different words. To be interested, to be aware, to notice, to give close attention to. In other words, he says you can cast all your load, all your burdens, all of the, the trouble, anxiety over on the Lord. Shift it over to him. You don't try to carry it on your own because he has great affection for you and he watches over you and you matter to him. Did you know that you matter to the Lord? You know you matter. You're important to him. Much of our lives sometimes is spent, especially when it comes to religion and to the church, of hearing how bad we are and where our needs are and how short we fall. And look, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Without him, there's no hope. But sometimes people miss the element. Even Christians have not really, they've not heard the message or received the message that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when you receive him, your life is transformed. You become a child of God. Your unrighteousness is replaced with his righteousness. You are a brand new person. So I, I don't think it's accurate scripture for a person to say that they're still just an old sinner saved by grace. I don't think that's accurate. We all have sinned, but once you've been saved, you're a child of God and you walk in the righteousness of Christ. There's a difference. So some people go around with the mindset and the idea, well, I'm just an old sinner. I'm no good. God. And, 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 and actually begin to think of it as being humble. But it's what I think is a false humility. And I think sometimes helps people, it prevents people from really seeing the greatness of God and the forgiveness of God. God wants us to know that sin is very serious. It's deadly. It separates you from God. If you don't, if you don't find a solution for it through Christ and his redemption, then there's eternal separation from him in hell. It is just that serious. But God's plan for us is life, and that's why he sent his son, and that's why we have a way that we can come, that through Jesus Christ we receive that forgiveness in that life. It has to be for every one of us. 
But the church needs to understand that the gospel is good news. It's not banging you over the head, but it's saying, if you will trust Christ, this is good news for you. You don't have to pay your own debt. You don't have to try to work your way to heaven. You don't have to try to earn it. You don't have to attend church a certain number of times in order to try to please God. You don't have to do this in order to just kind of get over guilt because you have now found a place of freedom and relationship through the person of Jesus Christ. You are a changed, transformed being. The scripture says you have been transformed or you have been moved from a place of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, to the kingdom of the dear son. That's good news. And when we look at at the word care, that, that he genuinely cares for us, we need to remember just what God has done for us. Uh, listen, if Satan should ever try to get you to question or doubt God's love and doubt God's care and concern for you, all you need to do is just remember the cross and point to the cross and say, no, you understand, people say, no one cares for me. God doesn't care for me. Well, then open your eyes and look at the cross. How could I ever doubt? Well, God just doesn't care about my situation. Look at the cross. That's how much he cares. That's how much he cares. The Lord is extremely interested in every facet of your life. People, sometimes they get worried. They caught up in things. They, you know, they say, I can't rest. I can't. And listen. Psalm 4, 8, uh, 4 Psalm, verse 8 says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Anytime you see words like I will, it means it's up to you to decide. I'll do that. I choose to do that. I, I, I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll just lie down in peace and I'll find that, that sweet sleep and rest because you're the one, Lord, I find my safety and protection in you. What strong words. And, and sometimes people, they're loaded down with those cares and they take them uh, at night. They try to take them to bed with them at night and it's going over their mind. Sometimes a good thing to do would be take verses like this in the scripture and just meditate on them and, and, and declare them and declare them over your own life. Say, Lord, look, I'm lying down. And in peace, your peace passes all understanding. I find this sleep and this rest in you and you alone. You're my protection. You're my provision. Nothing's too difficult for you. For you alone, O oh Lord, you're the one who will bring to me to a place to where I can rest in safety no matter what's going on in my life. One of the great verses in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace. The Amplified Bible says you will keep in constant peace all those who trust in you. Now that's a promise. But there's a condition. The Lord will keep you in perfect peace if you trust, rely, depend upon him completely in your life. He'll do that if your mind is steadfast, committed and focused. Focused on him. All your thoughts are fixed on him. That's what it means. So when talking about the message of casting all your care, I've just kind of said, let's just throw them all away. 
Let's just throw all the cares away. Let's throw them over, off of us. That sound like a good idea? Anybody got anything ever comes up during the week where you just need to say, well, I don't, I don't need this in my life, and I don't, I, I can't, this is too much for me to carry, and I, I don't want to live this way. Well, then throw them away. If you don't want something, just throw it away. Just throw it away. Well, Pastor, that really sounds good. That's cute. <laughs> but you don't understand. You just don't understand. I do understand what the Word says. God will never ask us to do something that, he, that He's not given us the way and the provision, the strength to do. But we must trust Him and rely on that. Okay. Let's look at just uh, very quickly. When we throw it away, first of all, let's look at casting it away. First of all, we must cast it intentionally and personally. It's an act of your will to unload those cares. It takes action on your part. When I want to do this, it takes action on my part. I must intentionally do that. Psalm 37 verse 5, the Bible says, you, you commit your way to the Lord. You trust also in Him and He'll take care of it. He'll bring it to pass. That's what the Amplified Bible says. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him also, and He will do it. Not only intentionally cast those. Say, Lord, I, I, I choose to do this because this is something you provided for me. I, I will do it. I will do this. And I can't do this for anyone else, nor can anyone else do this for me. This is personal. Lord, I personally cast my cares, my worries, and you care about me over on you. It's intentional. And it's personal. Second thing, when you're casting your cares, you need to remember to always keep the right perspective, the right mindset. Sometimes we blow things out of proportion. We worry about things that are just plain stupid and ridiculous at times. First of all, most of the things people worry about, they can't do anything about it anyway. Yeah, worry won't change anything for the good. Worry has never, ever, 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 ever changed anything for the good. Never! It's not, people say, well, you know, some people feel like they need to worry. It's like it's, it's therapy. <laughs> I know people in my life who actually seem to like being sick. How sad is that? It's not so much they like hurting, they just like talk about their sickness. And they like for other people to know. And, and it, it's, they, they find a certain sense of identity in it. Don't you find identity in your troubles? Find your identity in the answer. Don't you find identity in those things that are tearing you down? Find your identity in the one who builds you up. Don't you find your, don't find your identity in worry. Find your identity in the one who gives peace that passes all understanding. That's who you are. Yes? Boy, that's good, Pastor. That's good, Lord. Yes, find, find your identity that, that way. Keep the right perspective. Remember who you are in Christ. But th to do that, you must remember and know who He is. If you're going to keep the right perspective, always remember that He's bigger than any problem you have. Uh, he's before all things, above all things. He created all things. He came for us, died for us, rose from the dead for us, intercedes for us, and is coming again for us. He's big enough. <laughs> yeah. Romans 8.32, remember, I mentioned it last week, says, 
If God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how much more shall he freely give us all things? So I'll just put a little parenthesis, which is mine. I'll add this. I'm not adding to the scripture, but I believe it's indicating the scripture where it says that he freely gives us all things. He freely gives us all things. He freely gives us all things that prevents worry in our life. All things for good. All things for good. Can God be trusted? Is he big enough? Am I willing to submit? Some people worry because they're just not willing to submit the situation to God. They're not willing to submit their own life to the Lord. They, 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 they just are concerned <laughs> They're worried about what, what that may. Some people worry that if they surrender their heart to the Lord, what's he going to tell me to do? What difference is that going to make? How's that going to change my life? How's it going to, if I give this up, you never give up anything to trust and follow the Lord except that he provides something so much greater and better. Different perhaps but always better. What you give up with the Lord is all the junk, all the sin, all the hurt, all the pain, all the lack. And you find provision, complete fullness in him. Why would anybody not want to give up that stuff? So I do. I cast intentionally and I cast personally. I I throw it away. I I throw it away completely. And I, I also... Also remember that I throw it away with the right perspective that some things just are ridiculous and they shouldn't occupy my mind anyway. And whatever is in my life, that's going on in my life, God is big enough. He, he, he'll take care of it. I can trust him. I'll do my part. But I trust him. Thirdly, when we talk about casting, it says cast all. Powerful little three-word word. In the Greek, all means all. (laughs) There's nothing that's too great or too small. Jesus constantly told his disciples, look, what are you worrying about? Are you getting all, all stressed out about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear or whatever? But you know what your father knows you have he says, trust your father. Can you trust your father to provide this for you? He takes care of the birds, takes care of, uh, you know, the flowers. He, do you trust your father? Jesus was always speaking of the goodness, the faithfulness of God. So cast them all. Throw them all away. Some people try to hang on to a few of them, you know. They've had them so long, it's hard to turn them loose. You know what I'm talking about? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. New King James Version says, be anxious for nothing. Does anybody know what the word nothing is in Greek? Nothing. No thing. No thing. Be anxious for nothing. Tell God what you need and thank him for it, for all that he's done. In other words, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And finally, last of all, 
You know, those of you who, are, who fish a lot, who are fishermen, fisher women, or fisher person, or whatever, I don't want to be gender. But Lord, keep me on track right here. Those who fish a lot, um, you know, if you go out and, and you're fishing with some type of rod and reel, then if, if you're not used to fishing or anything, then you probably need instruction. I mean, it helps to have someone to show you. And what they help you do is they show you how to cast. You need to know how to cast. And we need to know, we need to know how to cast. I mean, this is important. We need to know how to cast. What do you do when you catch it? Well, we say, well, I take it, I, I clean it, and I eat it. No, if you're in a, some particular programs, you're not able to do that, and they call it catch and release. I want to mention this, the importance of learning how to cast and release. Cast all your cares, throw them away, and don't pick them up again. Release them. Let them go. Let them go. You remember, some of you remember the old... A course in one of the old hymns that says, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. I think I would probably be accurate to say that most of us, if not all of us, in our practice of, of laying these worries down or committing to the Lord, trying to unload these things in our life, that we may have had some measure of success. And we've seen God work. We've, we've, it's been a blessing to get that anxiety, get rid of that anxiety, that stress. But so often, once we do that in some areas, for whatever reason, what, I don't know what, there may be many different things that causes it to happen or causes us to do it. For whatever reason, we decide to take them again place them back onto our lives. It doesn't make much sense, but it's very human, it seems. But when we learn how to catch and release, that means to let them go once and for all. Don't try to catch that same fish again. Let them go. Release it. Release it. Cast and release and, and, and just, it's also important for us to remember that when you and I walk in such a way that we're so loaded down with our own stressful life and our own cares and anxiety, it, it inhibits or even prevents us from helping anyone else. It hinders us from ministering to other people if we're so weighed down. Now, certainly we can minister to people when we're going through hurts and difficulties, of course. But when we allow these things to just so occupy our lives, that's where our attention goes. It's on us. We're not able to do for others like, like the Lord would have us to do, like we need to do. Now, always remember, there's a difference between being careless and carefree. The Bible doesn't talk about us being careless. But it does talk about us being carefree. Careless is just someone who's just, they just, well, they just don't care. Don't care. 
There are some people who just seem to live that way. It seems like nothing bothers them. Doesn't that make you mad sometimes? Yeah, they don't care. They just don't care. Well, as Christians, we do care. As, as Christians, we do realize it's important for us to make right, good decisions. It's important for us to have the legitimate concern for our family, for our future, that we make plans, that we do what we can do. If we don't, we're being careless and irresponsible. And the Bible absolutely doesn't condone irresponsibility. But always remember, whether it's great or small, the bottom line is it's trust and reliance on the Lord to show us what to do. And it's his provision that allows us to do it. So it's all him. It's all grace. It always comes back to that. But we have our part to play in it. So, Lord, I don't want to be careless. But, Lord, I believe that you'll help me to live carefree. Legitimate concerns. But I'm carefree. Some of you remember who've been to uh, Bolivia, to the mountains of Bolivia. And we, several of you here in the congregation today, you've been there. And ministering up. In the, in the mountains there, such a unique experience, such a powerful experience, and challenging. And some of you guys were on a couple of the really tough journeys there. I just want to say, along with that, that there are three functioning Covenant Life churches now. Part of that certainly is due because of your faithfulness and willingness to go, and because this congregation's continued faithfulness to give over the years. People are being saved, particularly families are being blessed. Family, family situations are very different down there. And we're grateful for that opportunity. But many of you remember that some of us who went were just a little bit more senior than others. And some of us were in a little bit better or worse physical condition than others. But pretty much... If you're young and you're strong, those little ledges up those mountains, thousands of feet to the ground, steep, those are a challenge, those are a challenge for everyone. But here's the thing. You could be walking along those paths, and here I am when I went, <clears throat> Now, I'm, <clears throat> I'm trying to just draw. I'm just trying to breathe. <laughs> I am struggling. I'm going. I didn't realize that I was about to have a heart attack at the time. Later on, I realized that my heart was just way out of whack. You know, I wasn't hitting but on about two cylinders. It was just really, really, really. I didn't know I was about to die. Apparently, Andy, I didn't know that. I, I think the devil would have loved for that to happen. But thank God for his grace provision. But anyway, uh, even without that, it would have been quite a struggle for me. And a lot of you can really identify with that. <laughs> be walking along, trying to carry your backpack or something here. And, and, and there would be, at times there'd be someone that'd come along, just a little, little old guy or woman. You tell that they don't know, don't know how old they were because it's very difficult to tell their age. But they, some of them are all up in years. They'd come and they'd grab whatever backpack or weight you have. They'd come and take it off of you. Just take off. Not stealing it. They were carrying it for you. And then they had the little kids. 
Little kids and adults, and we're going up to climb that mountain. They just come on, they're hopping all over those rocks here around. They're circling around, coming back to you, smiling, grinning. And they carry you. You know, there's something about when someone comes and says, man, that's too heavy for you. Let me carry your backpack. Because I want to do that for you. It's kind of a picture of the heart of God. You're carrying too much on your back. Been weighed down by too much and let too much bother you. He said, hey, let me carry it for you. Let me carry your backpack. If you're going to make it to your destination, to your destiny, to where God intends for you to go, let me carry the load. Let me do that for you. He cares. He has you on his heart. He's thinking about you. What will tomorrow bring? How will I make a living? What about my job? What about investments? Will my health hold up? What about my children? What about my grandchildren? Who will take care of us in our old age? What about our country with politics, culture, and everything that's going on? What about war? Well, what about it? Is there anything that I've listed on here? Is there anything on this on here that's too big for God to handle, deal with? Is there anything here that God will not help you to find victory in and to face with strength and victory and, and confidence? Not a thing. Can you trust him with your children? You pray over them. You do the right thing by them. You set an example, absolutely. Can you trust him with your grandchildren? Can you trust him with, your, with the provision in your life? Your provision is not your career or job. Your provision is him. A job or career is just a channel which comes, but he's your source. It's so important for us to remember that whatever things are going on in our life where we feel like, I just don't know what we're going to do, why don't you just throw all that away? Why don't you just turn to the one that you can trust to handle it for you? Why not just let him carry the load? It involves trusting and following if it's going to work in your life, of course. But why not make that decision? Why not say in your heart, Lord, that regardless of what comes and regardless of what happens, in you I have a great future. In you I'll fulfill your call and destiny in my life. I have all of this, God, because you are a great God who loves me, whose heart is set on me. Would you stand with me? Make a confession together. If this is your heart, I just want you to speak this out loud with me. If this, is, if this is what you want to express from your heart, you can say use your own words, but just kind of follow along together. It says, Lord, I cast all my cares, all my worries and anxieties on you. Once for all. I know you care about me. You know what I'm going through. You know what's ahead of me. You watch over me carefully. I trust in you to carry my load. 
I commit to follow you. I choose to walk in faith and victory. So right now, by faith, I unload the cares. I cast my cares on you because I know you care for me. By your grace, by your help, I will not pick them up again. 